0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, this is the show that respects your intelligence. We bring you the stories that the mainstream media so often ignore and the perspectives that the left and big tech so often seek to silence. Well, Dr. Ben Carson has been a guest of this program before. You know him as a gifted neurosurgeon, as a presidential candidate, as President Trump's Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Well, now you may also get to know him as the founder of a new think tank, the American Cornerstone Institute. In an earlier podcast with John Solomon, Dr. Carson explained that the nation needs, in his view, to recover things like our faith, things like liberty, things like community things like life, these foundational pillars, Dr. Carson said. And he said that watching those things melt away in our society is not something that he could do that he would not sit, sit idly by. Well, here to join us to talk about the American Cornerstone Institute and his view for how we revive and reinvigorate the republic is Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson, thank you so much for, for joining us again, sir. Please tell Absolutely. our viewers about the American Cornerstone Institute.
2: Well, the American Cornerstone Institute actually uh, was born out of the fear that our country was going off the cliff in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, we were forgetting about those foundational issues that made us into a great nation. I mean, there's no nation that has a history like ours, from mm. a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the pinnacle of the world at record time. And that didn't happen by accident. Uh, it, it, was, it was things like our faith, our sense of community you know, the ability to work together, not necessarily having the same opinion about everything, but still being able to work together. That's why we're called the United States of America. The whole concept of life and the sacredness of life and the the value of people and having respect for other individuals is so important. And then liberty, who would have ever thought we would be in a situation where the average person has to think twice about saying something in a land of the free and a place where where freedom of speech is is you know the first amendment of our constitution yet we find ourselves in that situation and it really shows you how easily our freedoms can slip away if we're not vigilant and we don't work very hard and and try to do everything we can to maintain them so that's what cornerstone institute is mm. doing and it's bringing common sense to the table. Uh, I, that, that's a term we may have to get rid of because um, it's not very common anymore. <laughs> but it's just the logic in terms of the way that we approach the issues that are facing us. When you live in a multivariant society, you can't impose a my way or the highway type of philosophy when you have a variety of different people living in a society. You have to talk. You have to work things out.
1: You know, Dr. Carson, you talked about about history and common sense, and, and it reminded me, of course, of Thomas Paine's famous pamphlet, Common Sense, which which many Americans who are students of history will remember as probably the most widely read and influential pamphlet in American history at the time and had a tremendous influence on on revolutionary thought. And we've seen a real battle over american history itself you know one of joe biden's first executive orders when he came into office was to kill off president trump's 1776 initiative Uh, from your perspective dr carson why is it so important that americans do have that deep grounding in their history
2: well you know your history is what provides your identity if you don't know your history then you don't really know who you are. Mm. It's one of the very reasons that so often when people find out that they're adopted, they go on this elongated search for their birth parents. They just want to know where do they come from? What are the connections? And, uh, you know, if you don't know your history, then you don't have an identity. And your beliefs are built upon your identity. So if you don't have an identity, what beliefs do you have? What What is important to you? And that's one of the reasons it's so easy to manipulate a lot of the young people today because they don't have that solid foundation in terms of their history or their identity. And that's something that we want to change. Uh, We wanna work with uh, various school systems. If they won't work with us, with the parents so that they know what's being taught in those schools. You know, it's it's very important to actually know who uh, the opposition is I I frequently surprise people by saying, you know, you should read Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, uh, because you'll see things that look very familiar to you. You'll know exactly why those things are going on and how they're being coordinated. It's really quite interesting. And that book by Saul Alinsky, if you look at the dedication page, uh, Satan, the original radical, he called him. You know, this is what we're dealing with.
1: And and Dr. Carson, if you could talk a little bit more about what you see happening in terms of education in America. I know that this is going to be one of your focuses at the American Cornerstone Institute. You're going to be focused on education and not just what's happening in public schools, but also providing opportunities for parents who are homeschooling, have their kids in private schools. But if you would talk a little bit about what you see happening in the education landscape and why that's such an important focus for you and, and your team.
2: Well, first of all, what's going on right now in education is abominable, and that is so many of the children are being kept out of school. In many Mm -hmm. cases, uh, they've been missing school for a year. Mm -hmm. That's going to have a lifelong negative impact on them because a good education is the most valuable thing you can give a person. They can come from virtually any terrible circumstance, and you give them a good education, and they write their own ticket. Now, a good education includes... A true education. So, you know, all these people who are going around talking, you know, about 1619 and how slavery is the foundational uh, support of this society uh, are really uh, not doing anybody a service and they're spreading things that are not true. And that's why we have to concentrate on what the real issues are. One of the things that's going to help us, quite frankly, Uh, is use of distal learning, uh, using remote learning tools. And virtual reality is going to make a big difference to be in a virtual classroom where there are people who are actually teaching as opposed to giving a bunch of propaganda and trying to indoctrinate people, which has been a real problem in our societies. And I don't think most people have any idea what their children are being told. It starts, you know, very, very early. Kindergarten and even pre kindergarten start talking about things like, uh, you know, what is a real family? Uh, who are good people? Who are bad people? Uh, who are racist just because of the way that they were born? You know, all of this, not to mention, are you a boy or are you a girl? I mean, it's. That our children have so many more important things to learn about than trying to confuse them about yeah, and, their gender.
1: And Dr. Carson, you've, we should also mention, you've uh, been dealing with education for a long time as a practitioner. You and your family have been behind the entire Carson Scholars Program, which we've talked about in the past. In Gifted Hands, you talked a lot about how education played a role in your life. You touched on distance learning. I know you've also spent a lot of time and and have a lot of concern for kids who are growing up in poverty. We've seen a lot of evidence that keeping kids out of school is actually hurting the most disadvantaged kids the worst. In the last minute or so that we have left, could you give us your your thoughts on that? Because it does seem to be a really pressing issue that, as you mentioned, is going to have long-term consequences.
2: Well, it it seems ironic that the teachers and uh, specifically the teacher unions, because I think a lot of the teachers would happily go back to class mm. and teach because they really feel a dedication toward their children and, and their profession. Yeah. Uh, but the unions on the other hand have become radicalized mm. and uh, you know they want to put all kinds of conditions on without really being concerned about what's happening to the children that you're supposed to be teaching. And, uh, and, and that's why it's important for us to find alternative methods for getting those children educated. And uh, you know, I'm happy to see that even some Democrats are starting to speak out yes. now. Uh, because they recognize that this has a long-term, very negative consequence for our society and our ability to compete against the world. If you go to other countries around the world, they're back in school and yes. they have coronavirus too because they realize it's important, and they're Excellent. not politicizing
1: Dr. Carson, We're just, politicizing
2: everything. just
1: 10 seconds left. For folks who want to learn more about the American Cornerstone Institute, where can they head to?
2: AmericanCornerstone.org. Excellent. And uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful video on there to look at, too, Excellent. starring somebody. We encourage now.
1: all of you to head out to American Cornerstone Dot .org and Dr. Carson we issue and your team the best of luck in this new venture. We'll stay right with us. We're going to be back with Jenna Ellis in just a minute. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. She's been on the program before. You know her as a leading figure on President Trump's legal team, as a constitutional lawyer and an author. But now... We are graced to have her join us in set. Jenna Ellis is here. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Great to see you, Eric. It's it's really fantastic to have you here. Look, you've been a constitutional lawyer. You've been a close advisor to the President of the United States. You've been an author yourself, kind of looking back at American history. We were just talking with Dr. Carson about the American Cornerstone Institute that he's starting. Last week, we are talking with Russ Vogt about the think tank that he is starting. It seems to me that there's a lot of intellectual energy in the country right now, and especially in the conservative movement, to try to speak to a new generation of Americans and really do so recognizing the intellectual foundations of a lot of these America First principles. What's your assessment of the current state of affairs and how needed and why? Uh, We need efforts like this with these new think tanks.
0: I think it's fantastic and it's absolutely needed because um, as a former professor, of course, at Colorado Christian University, what I saw with my students, um, especially the ones who were very interested, you know, maybe in politics or regardless of what uh, their major was, that they had, a lot of them had a very disconnected, Mm -hmm. almost like a a smorgasbord of worldview. Mm -hmm. And so rather than what uh, conservatism actually teaches and our first principles, which is that We're founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic, which means that if we take truth uh, as it is from God himself, which, of course, is the founding of our country, to say we hold truth to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, they're endowed by their creator, right, with certain unalienable rights. And so within our system of government, within philosophy, within any subject matter, we go to the truth of what the Bible says, and then we form our understanding, that discoverable truth from that rather than having, okay, I'm a Christian on Sunday for mm. a couple of hours, and then I can think what I want about science. I can think about what I want with philosophy. I can think what I want on, all of, on politics, on government, on all of these kind of uh, very split views. And so within the postmodern culture, uh, we're seeing that a lot of young people have, rather than a comprehensive worldview, they have it very segmented. And mm. so I think that the movement, Um, especially what we've seen over the last four years, especially to my generation, millennials Mm. and younger, is to recognize what conservatism actually means, what mm. our heritage is, what it stands for, and that's what President Trump was driving at. Mm-hmm. And I had so many conversations with him about his love for our heritage, our country, and our constitution. So I think this is really, really needed so that we can get a better, more complete understanding and a genuine, truthful worldview.
1: Yeah, and one of the things Dr. Carson was talking about, and we've talked about with some other guests, is, is the importance of history. Uh, you write about it in your own book, we've talked about it, you brought it up when you're out there defending the President of the United States about how important it is for people to really be steeped in American history and of course you do have the experience of having been a professor as well. From your, from your view, why is it so important that students are getting from elementary school, junior high, high school and college getting a sense for American history?
0: Well, because it's the truth of what we're founded Mm -hmm. on. And we can't advocate to the best of our ability for our Bill of Rights, Mm -hmm. for religious freedom, for freedom of speech. Um, All of these things that we cherish are fundamental and first freedoms without understanding from where they're derived. Mm -hmm. And so if we just advocate for it, on um, a secular humanist playing field, then it's just my opinion versus yours. And that's what we see from the left. They Mm. want to force their worldview. That's why there's so much coercion and that's why there's so much of of an emphasis on quelling freedom of speech, Mm. because they don't want to be met with ideas and having that dialogue what we understand and why the founders understood that freedom of speech and freedom of association free exercise of religion our first freedoms were so important is because we as human beings made in the image of god have our rights endowed from us the government cannot take those away we can freely exercise those and it's the sole responsibility of government to preserve and protect those rights if we're not teaching our young people that our rights come from God, our Creator, rather than our government, then we're losing the argument before we've even started it, because then it becomes a question of how can the government infringe on our rights? How can they uh, tell us when, where, and how to exercise them, rather than focusing on the truth of government, which is that they are obligated simply to preserve and protect our rights. And that's a very different conversation.
1: Yeah, and it is, it's such a foundational principle this sense of where do rights come from and as I've discovered also as you have a lot of times you ask young people or you ask citizens where do rights come from and a lot of people will say from the government but of course that's exactly the opposite <laughs> exactly. view of the founders yes. who believe that these freedoms came from God and that the whole idea of government was that you would protect people's freedoms and that the government could not infringe upon your freedoms, no matter what vote was passed, no matter what law was passed, that you had certain inalienable rights and certain freedoms, which were, And are enumerated in the Constitution, even though we've seen an attack on those on those recently. And and
0: truth doesn't change, regardless of whether it's one person or a majority or 100 percent. Truth doesn't change. And that's where conservatism, we're truly conserving that truth. And that's where I think a lot of uh, the the younger generation have gotten off into libertarianism, Mm. where that's still a worldview that is shaped by uh, our own rationality and our own relative thinking because it's what do I think is Mm -hmm. okay rather than the government coercing me into what I can and can't do it's my own freedom and liberty not bound by truth either and so then when we see um, some even like Madison Cawthorn who I think is great he's a great young representative but I saw him recently on a hit saying that um, on you know on a news segment saying well our generation the new Republicans aren't that concerned about social issues and I'm thinking But you have to be in order to advance pro-life, in order to advance any right that we have with the fundamental nature of rights. The first thing is our right to life and understanding that truth is and it's discoverable and it's up to the government to preserve and protect it. We have to make sure that we're not then going the opposite direction of saying government doesn't have any legitimacy at all.
1: Yes. And from your perspective, outside of your own book, if you were going to recommend two or three books to our viewers, uh, if you were going to recommend two or three thinkers who you think are most important for people to understand in order to really understand kind of the roots of the Republic and also this current moment in history, well, any, any thoughts you, you'd want to you'd wanna offer?
0: Yeah, and I would say that uh, for anyone who's really interested in politics and our American heritage, we can't separate that from the truth of theology and making sure that we have sound doctrine. So I would absolutely recommend C.S. Lewis, who's a great thinker. Mere Christianity um, actually has a lot of touch points on discoverable truth, which is exactly what our founders articulated, natural law understand that from a sincere biblical perspective. Um, A. W. Tozer, The Purpose of Man, Mm. that is a wonderful book. And then also um, Thomas Sewell, of course, Vision of the Anointed, I think is an excellent book to understand where the left is trying uh, to focus the energy rather than uh, the truth. So just those in the very beginning, but then also Michael Ferris, who's now the CEO of Alliance Defending Mm. Freedom, and he has a whole litany of constitutional law uh, literature and other resources that I would highly recommend
1: yeah, I think one of the things that's so compelling about CS Lewis's mere Christianity as well is that as as you know and, and many of our viewers might know he actually started writing it as a series of radio addresses for troops in World War II, and the idea was that he wanted to speak in plain language to people and it still has that very clear plain solid language and I think that's one thing it's important for conservatives to do well if we're going to really speak to people across the country is to make sure that we're speaking in their language and one of the things that's so powerful about that book is that you can pick it up you can turn to any page and it can imme- it's immediately understandable by anybody who, who reads it you absolutely you can kind of get the argument the analogies are all are all very clear there When you look at what's happening today, and we talk about the importance of having the right kind of intellectual foundations and the right understandings, and we've seen these new think tanks that are emerging, and it seems like there's a lot of energy in the country around this. What are your thoughts on the most important things over the course of the next couple of months, over the course of the next coming year, for people who are part of President Trump's team and part of this conservative movement that they need to accomplish in the country when we recognize that there's a biden administration that the democrats control the house and the senate
0: yeah well the first thing is that we can't uh, divest ourselves of our own duty to be active and participatory citizens i see a lot of people saying well why even vote now well that's just being a sore loser frankly and even though i'm very disappointed the supreme court didn't take up the texas case and you know some of these other election integrity efforts that you know were in the lane of legitimate efforts Uh, that doesn't mean that we stop now. And so we have to continue to make sure that we keep government in its lane. Uh, we are always faithful constitutionalists. Yes. We don't abandon the Constitution right. just because leftists might. Exactly. <laughs> so yes. uh, so we need to continue those efforts and we need to do that well. So we need to educate ourselves on what does the Constitution actually say mm. and provide for. We need to educate ourselves on the correct theology. So this um, whole movement, I'm part of the Thomas More Society mm-hmm. representing churches right. around the country. Church is essential. Be involved in a church, be involved in your family, be involved in in, uh, civil society. Those are the three spheres of government that God has ordained that we are supposed to as human beings participate in. So I would just say, um, look forward with hope, look forward with education. Uh, first educate yourselves and then be able to participate very meaningfully in civil society.
1: Awesome. And just in the 20 seconds that we have left, Jenna, for people who do want a word of hope, where can they find you on social media?
0: Yes, I'm on all of the major platforms at Jenna Ellis which is of course for Esquire since I'm an attorney. And I would also recommend my book as well, which is called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. Um, It's a guide for Christians to understand our Constitution and America's heritage.
1: Which is available on Amazon right now. I know. Excellent. Well, folks, that is that is Jenna Ellis. She's been a guest here before. She is a friend of the program and of Real America's Voice, a constitutional lawyer, and an author. Check her out at Jenna Ellis ESQ and stay right with us because we're going to be back with more actionable intelligence in just a minute.
2: Man, that sunset is
4: gorgeous.
1: Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Well, earlier today, Just the News White House correspondent Carrie Sheffield sat down for an interview with Utah congressman and former Super Bowl champion Burgess Owens. Go ahead and take a listen.
3: We're going to talk about this and so much more with a new congressman, a brand-newly-minted congressman from the great state of Utah, also my home state. I claim Missouri and Utah, two home states. And he joins me here on set, Congressman Burgess Owens. Good morning, Congressman. Good
4: morning, Carrie. Look forward to chatting with you. Yeah.
3: So you are a former NFL member. And what was your read on it? Because I, I know that you have some strong feelings about the NFL, but what was your take on the game?
4: I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm, um, I'm one of those guys who've decided to, I'm done with NFL for a while. I, one thing that I remember about NFL, and I said the same thing about the military, is it's, it's, it's an arena of a meritocracy, and you forget about all the other stuff that doesn't matter, but just make sure you're, you're providing the best you can on the field. And it was always, some, always something to brought, brought, brought the fans together. So what's happened the last uh, few years, in which it's been used as a dividing factor, I've just kind of given up on it for now. So until they fire. Uh, I'm going to be sitting on the sideline, not watching, but talking about it after it's all said, done.
3: Yeah, well, you even put a tweet about this. You said, sorry, guys, kind of out of this one, boycotting until the NFL fires (laughs) the America divider, Goodell. What would he have to do? to get your trust back? Let's say they don't want to fire him. Is there anything Goodell could do to win you back?
4: Uh, yeah, I think the NFL should just have him leave. Uh, we, you know, we've kind of put up this with, with way too long. Every election for the last two years, we have this divisiveness that happens. The one thing that America loves, we love to have those things in common that brings together we can cheer, the flag, the anthem, uh, the NFL, the NBA. It doesn't matter what, what, what team you're on and what, what your policies are. You just will have to come together and root for your team. Those are things that unite us, and, and uh, for them to take that away from us, make it political, is something I just don't have the tolerance for at this point.
3: Mm, so you don't like what's happening with the kneeling. You don't think that, well, so the argument you hear from people who support it, they say, hey, they're just protesting the fact that you have racial injustice in America. What's wrong with that?
4: Well, um, use another venue or use another time. What we don't do is we don't attack those things that do bring us together. Uh, my dad was World War II vet. And he was so proud to have served his, 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 uh, uh, his country. Uh, there's over 100,000 black Americans that went to World War II during a time of truth uh, of uh, social injustice or uh, segregation. But yet they understood the, the promise of, of our four founders, and they made the best of it. They came back and, and, and built the greatest, uh, of the fastest-growing middle class in our country. And, and so what we have to understand is that some good things, many, most of the things we've done is a good thing. We've, we have a country that, unlike any other, has given us the opportunity to live, to live the American dream, and we need to highlight that. If we're teaching our kids to do, do nothing but look at the, the worst of ourselves, then we don't, uh, we don't move forward. So, no, we have certain things that have always brought, together, brought us together. Our worship of God, no matter which way we do so, our flag, our great history. And when we start taking those things away, you start dividing us. Uh, entertainment should not be part of the division, the division part of it for sure
3: so interesting. You said that you don't want people to be thinking about the worst part of themselves. And that's something that <coughs> former President Trump had said, that when a country will lose its confidence unless it believes in its history and it believes in its principles.
4: Well, think about this. And it's important to recognize that everyone, uh, we, you know, our country's not great because we—oh, it's not perfect, I should say. It is great. It's not perfect because we're not perfect. Each one of us have, have things we would love if we had not done. We made mistakes. Every single one of us would like to move forward and become better with it. That's where our country should be. For any of us to look back on the worst things we've ever done, focus on that, only think about that, we will never move forward. We'll never risk take. We'll never think that we can be better. So this is the country's second chances. It's proven that way. And the more we talk about the greatness of my particular race and what we did during those toughest of times is the more it gives people realize that if we could do it, anyone can do it. And this is what that, that's what this country really should be all about.
3: And reconciliation and forgiveness, too. Congressman, I want to turn to another topic. We've got some sound here from one of your colleagues, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Take a listen.
4: But the notion of you coming here, lecturing us on your first day before this committee, it's not about words. It's about actions. You know what? Explain your actions on January 7th when you supported an insurrection. (laughs)
3: So they wouldn't give you a chance to respond to this. You tried to respond, you were bringing up a bill that would have started the meetings, your committee meetings with the Pledge of Allegiance, that was shot down. Mm-hmm. But not only was it shot down, you then got a lecture too. What would you say in response, <laughs> since they didn't let you respond?
4: Well, it's a couple things. Uh, I didn't think it was a lecture when I talked about the greatness of my race, that's what I talked about. How well we have done, how, uh, the fact that uh, this, this, this great country gave my parents a chance to do great things, including my great great grandpa who came here as, as a slave. Uh, so it was not a lecture, it was a, a, a little bit of a history. Uh, and I think it's kind of rich, to be honest with you, uh, when you see that uh, we objected to two, to two states. I came out of Pennsylvania, the reason I did so because I understand Pennsylvania. I know that it's a place that has a lot of problems with this. Uh, but th- this is what's interesting is that the year in 2016, seven of the states, seven states were objected to by the Democrats. So uh, I think I'm glad he, he recognized it wasn't an insurrection to, to, to object. Obviously, what happened on the 6th was a, was a terrible thing to do, and those who did it should pay the price. But at the end of the day, we should be having conversations about our flag, our God, and being able to worship Him. And so far, they've nixed they've both. Uh, the, so, so we have to make sure we t- so, but keep it seems out. like
3: he's lumping them together he's <laughs> saying that you supported an insurrection because you voted to challenge but you're saying these are very different things
4: two separate things and that's, that was what one of my colleagues said earlier why are we even talking about the 6th or 7th when we were talking about what we should stand for the flag they're stay on one topic at a time right now the flag is what we're discussing they decided not to Pledge the flag, we then talked about uh, keeping uh, so happy God in, in, in our in our process and decided against that. We cannot lose those things that keeps us focused on our culture, our flag, our God, our country, and our history.
3: Mm. So let's talk about the Republican Party. So uh, Matt Gaetz, Congressman from Florida, tweeted this out. He says, uh, in reply to a tweet that says, Kevin McCarthy vouched for Liz Cheney. Everything she says is on him. Kevin put it all on the line for Liz. Matt Gaetz says, every House Republican knows it. What do you think is going to happen? What do you want to see happen with Liz Cheney?
4: Well, what we've shown is that we have a big tent. Um, uh, our goal right now is to make sure that as a party, uh, as a conference, we can move forward and focus on those things that really impact the, the American people. The American people right now are hurting. We want our jobs. We want to make sure our kids are back in school. We want our vaccine. And as, as our new president is, is tearing down so many jobs and so many opportunities and, and putting this in a box in terms of even letting people come across the border now that are COVID-infected, we have no idea who they are. Those are the kind of things we need to make sure that uh, we do not allow to continue to happen. So I think right now we're in a good place. We're moving forward. We've had our conference. We've had our, we had our ability to, to, to discuss this with each other. It's like any other family. Now we're moving forward to make sure our people, American people are doing well.
3: And over the weekend, Donald Trump Jr. said in response to this interview that Liz Cheney, so, so we, we were talking about the reconciliation. So you said the big tent thing, you had the closed-door meeting where the, you, know, you embraced both Marjorie Taylor Greene and Liz Cheney and said, hey, we're one big happy family. Then Liz Cheney goes out on TV and goes and lambasts former President Trump. Then in response, Donald Trump Jr. says, he tells Politico, he's gearing up for a trip to Wyoming to take on Cheney. And he says, quote, I hear it's lovely during primary season. So what about this feud? Do you think it's, the Republican <coughs> Party is going to put it behind you? I,
4: I think the Republican Party, our conference is much bigger than what this tit for tat. I really do. Uh, you know, we, we care about the American people. We care about what's going on out there, the, the, the misery that's being um, placed on us with some of these new policies. I can promise you this, that the conference itself will be focused on the American people. We're going to be positive. There's going to be a contrast. And I think that's going to be good for, for, for American people, we the people, see that there's a difference in each side. One is divisive, dark, and, and, and shutting things down. The other one is, say, let's open things up. Let's live the American dream. Let's take risks. Let's be smart. But we can get that done because that's who we are. So I think that's gonna be the, the real difference here. And, uh, and the American people drift toward the light. So we, in the next two years, will see a drift toward the way we, we message, the way we focus, and we'll come together as a, as a strong team. And 2022 will show the difference of, of uh, our approach versus the Democrats' approach.
3: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your senator from your state, Senator <laughs> Romney. So, Senator Romney has proposed a new bill. He said he wants to have monthly payments for family with children. He says under the proposal, the existing child tax credit will be replaced with monthly premiums of $350 for children under age 5 and under $250 for children ages 6 to 17. Families would be capped at monthly payments of $12. Fifty or 1250 um, What's your take on this? Because it sounds a lot like a proposal from the Democrats. So the Democrats came up with their own proposal. They said they want to have—this is the Washington Post reporting—that they want to have $3,000 per child, a benefit under the Biden stimulus. Um, it sounds a lot like what the Democrats want, what Romney's saying here. Is this just another form of welfare from Romney, or what's your take on well, this?
4: Well, it's nothing but welfare. And at the end of the day, it comes down to this. <clears throat> There's a $27 trillion of, uh, 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 we're in a hole right now, in a big way. Our debt is going crazy, and these these kids we're now talking about giving money away for free. We'll have to pay back not only their their debt, but ours that we're laying on top of them. So, now we have to start being a little smarter. Uh, I mean, I, I love the fact that I mean the Democrats are really showing who they are. They want to just take the federal money, takes our taxpayers, and give it to everyone. But that's not who we are. We we allow the people to figure out how what their dreams are, what they want. They pay the price, and when they get there and they get their their dreams accomplished, they can. They can appreciate what they've done because they have paid the price to get that done. So, so no, I, I, uh, I don't think it's going to go very far, um, and I don't think American people will put up with it either.
3: So you disagree with Romney's proposal? I do, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to him about it?
4: I haven't. <clears throat> I haven't. I uh, just, uh, I just hearing it for the first time here. But uh, I, I read it this morning or last night about the Democrats' proposal, and I didn't agree with it then because it's not up for government to give uh, people, kids or parents That's something that they have not earned. Let the parents, let the parents work that out. We've done it for. For all these years, we figured out a way to make sure our kids can not only grow up, prosper, uh, we work our way so we can pass things down to them. It's not up to the American people to do that for them.
3: Well, and uh, the Democrats said they want it to be stimulus-targeted, so more <coughs> narrow. But uh, as Ronald Reagan said, the closest thing to eternal life is a government program. So
1: That was just the news. Host Kerry Sheffield interviewing Congressman Burgess Owens recently arrived in D.C. He was there with some powerful words about how Americans can come together obviously expressing some sentiments of patriotism and his beliefs about the American dream that are resonating with people across America and I know with many of you. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a
0: gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall, uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
1: Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Grayton's In just a minute, we're going to be joined by Ben Bergquam, Real America's voice correspondent. He's been on the ground in Washington, D.C., and he's going to continue to be there for you throughout the week as the Democrats try a second time to impeach President Trump. Well, earlier today, he interviewed that rarest of creatures in Washington, D.C., a real conservative who Ben found in D.C., and he talked with them about what it's like being here. Let's go ahead and take a listen.
5: How is it living in Washington, D.C. as a conservative? Uh, it's definitely one of those things where
6: I'd say you're not really comfortable about sort of mentioning it at work. Um there's definitely sort of like a bias or just sort of that attitude of, oh, you're a Trump supporter, or, you're a uh, conservative, that means you're some sort of bigot or you hate other people kind of thing, uh, which unfortunately is, I think, the furthest from the truth. I've been to a couple of the Trump rallies. Um, I wasn't here for the insurrection on the 6th, but met people from all different creeds or people from Poland that came over just because they love the whole idea of just Americans being friends with Americans, um, which I think unfortunately gets lost by the media narrative of people are sort of evil to each other, that they're these uh, backward thinking racists, you know, it's a shame. It is, but.
5: And, and you know, the way the media responded to that, and now we're seeing that there was infiltration by leftists, yep. by, you know, we we still haven't got to the bottom of that. Yeah. We're starting, they're starting another impeachment through yep. the Senate now this week Yep, and they, completely ignored Antifa and BLM burning down our country. What do you make of that?
6: So all summer I was um, falling asleep to the sound of like helicopters flying over, flashbangs going off, tear gas in the air, smashed windows everywhere. And there wasn't sort of any of that sort of feeling of this country's falling apart. This is an absolute attack on democracy. Um, I remember like right after the first night of the George Floyd protests, like Mayor Bowser came down and walked around and now they're telling people to take down their boards there's still smashed windows and stuff around the district, like even on 17th and H, right across from the White House, essentially. So, it's wait, still boarded up. So they're
5: telling them to take it down. Yeah. Because they know yep. that the people that they sent out there to break them, yeah. they don't have to do that
6: anymore. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like the, uh, we don't need to ask for that protection money anymore. It's off the table. Yeah.
5: Unbelievable.
6: Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really a shame just because the city had so many small businesses and restaurants and bars shut down and then they closed down for two weeks leading up to the inauguration that these businesses would have been doing fine without any ties to the insurrection and then the national guard came in and everything and it's really a shame like i'm planning on moving out of the city in a few months like i've been here multiple years now but it's just it's not livable yeah yeah
5: man well, God bless you. Yeah,
6: but hey, nice to meet you. You as
5: well. Yeah, are you
6: traveling from California, I yeah. take it, or? yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And don't give up, man. I know it's yeah. I, I, everywhere I go. It's like that. It's you yeah. know, that Stockholm syndrome, folks yep. living in the in the war zone and, and being told that you know your ideas are yeah. wrong when you know they're right. Yeah, that's and, the and, worst
6: part. And honestly, the worst thing is like it's a shame you can't even have sort of a dialogue yeah. with people nowadays. It's either this is right or this is wrong. There's really no sort of middle ground in a lot yeah. of people. And yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think this whole two party system of just flipping back and forth every two years or every four years is going to be good for us long term. Yeah. Yeah.
5: especially yeah. when we can't trust the elections. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
6: <laughs> I mean, so you talk to like the average person that probably four or six years ago wouldn't have really cared about sort of the actual elections and everything, and now you've got their grandparents coming down from Alaska or from California to come participate in a Stop the Steel rally, and you think about just that whole movement and
5: do you, do you think, last thing, we had four years of Democrats basically undermining insurrection yeah. against President Trump. Yep. Uh, and now they're saying, get over it. Yeah. Uh, now it's time to unite. Yep. All of this, uh, yeah. th- there's nothing to see here with the election, yet they said it was Russia for four years. Yep. You bring up China, now you're some sort of loon. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of that? So honestly, I think if you take a look at probably a number of people in seniority in
6: the State Department and other government agencies that have their ex- whole experience in the past 60 years of fighting the Russians in the Cold War, and then all of a sudden that's over. Russia has a smaller GDP than Texas and is still somehow this big threat when all of them would be taken out of power if somebody had had expertise in how to actually combat China, which is why a lot of them are still coming back to the Biden administration after Trump fired them. You know, I just think there's people don't want to give up the sweet gravy train they have with the government right now. And um, until we actually start taking the China threat seriously, it's kind of sort of we're not really focused on the actual threat out there.
1: Well, Ben joins us now. He's on the streets of Washington, D.C., and is going to be there throughout the week as, again, the Democrats tried to impeach President Trump for a second time. Ben, you are always out talking with folks on the street. Um, as the Capitol gets ready for what's about to happen tomorrow, what are you hearing?
5: Well, uh, I, you know, it's, it's interesting, it's pretty quiet on the street right now. We're actually at the place that Luke uh, there who I was interviewing uh, was referring to, this BLM, so-called BLM Plaza, where we saw so much violence over the summer and we saw it across c- cities across America, uh, mostly Democrat-run cities, all that I can think of Democrat-run cities, uh, and yet no talk of that. We actually saw the, the church in, my, in the background on my right, uh, they tried to burn down and that's when President Trump sent out the guard with tear gas and we don't hear anything about that. So it'll be interesting to see what President Trump and his legal team, uh, now a civilian, President Trump, uh, are, are gonna do. Are they gonna talk about the, the, uh, the election fraud? Are they gonna talk about the leftist violence that's been called for for four years? Or are they just gonna talk about the fact that it's, it's, been, uh, it's unconstitutional to impeach a president who is no longer in office? Or maybe a combination of all three. You know, Talking to folks on the ground though, I think most people here, just want to get on with their lives and uh, a lot of them it's just it's very empty i think a lot of people have actually just left because they're sick of it
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and ben if you could give our viewers who are obviously across the country uh, many of them haven't been uh, to washington dc certainly if they were planning to come for the inauguration they were turned away because it was an inauguration without american citizens who are kept away by fences and barbed uh and barbed wire but you mentioned how, how quiet it is there. Obviously, uh, we've seen there's still a troop presence in parts of Washington, D.C., but otherwise a lot of folks have, have left. But if you could just give our viewers a sense for what it's like in the nation's capital right now.
5: Depressing is probably the best word to describe it. Uh, you can see the White House behind me, the Washington Monument behind that, uh, and all around the White House, are walls and fences with barbed wire razor wire you go down to the Capitol and it's blocks and blocks and blocks surrounded by razor wire and National guard troops from across the country uh, supposedly for a th- you know some this, this upcoming threat. What's interesting though is you know, we have we've had a threat for the last four years across America and that's some of the footage from, uh, from earlier and it's still down there all over the, the city but we've had a threat. We've had Antifa and BLM, rioting and looting and terrorizing the American people and now all of a sudden uh, there's this you know unseen clear and present danger uh, that you know, it's, it's just it's a tragedy. I wouldn't bring my family here and I, I love the history of this city, the founding and, and our, our constitution and everything that this country was built on, but I wouldn't bring my city to or my excuse me my family to this city. and I can't think of any anytime soon when I was flying in, you know Joe Biden during the campaign said, It's going to be a dark winter. And that was the sense that I got. It's a very dark winter here in our nation's capital.
1: Yeah. And Ben, uh, we know that you're going to be on the ground throughout uh, this trial, uh, the the impeachment trial of of President Trump, which all of our viewers know was passed by the House in a record eight hours. A lot of people are calling it a drive by impeachment. (laughs) Is run by by Nancy Pelosi. There were no hearings. There was no evidence presented, and as you mentioned, Ben, and a lot of your reporting has shown, as just the news reporting has shown. In fact, the lead story right now at justthenews.com is that as the fbi and others have continued to investigate what happened at the capitol on january 6 it's clear that there was pre-planning there's evidence that people were involved as late as last as early as last november that things picked up over the course of december heated up after christmas but the idea that somehow uh, this was a crowd that was incited um, again the evidence is just suggesting that that is isn't happening, but of course, that was evidence that, that Speaker Pelosi didn't didn't consider. Uh, tell us a little bit about your plans and the Real America's Voice team's plans to cover this, and again, to give our viewers a sense for what it's really like on the ground there in D.C.
5: Well, it, I think really uh, it's to compare and contrast what ha, what the Democrats have said versus what they've done, and you're absolutely right that this is you know, what we've heard from the democrats versus what we've seen i was there january or excuse me uh, yeah january 6th and there was no inclination that there was going to be a violent attempted overthrow at the house in fact everything that i heard were people that had come from across america that loved this country that were just upset at the uh, election fraud that they perceived and they wanted to get to the bottom of it they wanted to go and hold their representatives accountable and so what I anticipate is uh, being able to compare and contrast. The, the, the Democrats have said it in their own words. For four years now, we had the Russia collusion hoax. We had uh, calls for violence and uh, intimidation and attacks against conservatives, Trump supporters from Democrats, from the House and the Senate, uh, all the way down to the, to the local levels and the state levels. Uh, and so we're, we're going to be showing that as the, as the president and his team uh, unveil their strategy and their, you know, the, their uh, appeal to the American people and to the senators. Uh, We'll be showing that, but we have a lot of footage to show you uh, already from the last four years uh, that really shows who the real threats were and who the insurrectionists truly were. I think this is going to come back to bite the Democrats in the foot because uh, there's too much evidence showing if anyone caused what happened on January 6th, it's them.
1: Yeah, and Ben, uh, very quickly, for folks who want to follow you and some of the other reporters, we know obviously that they can go out to to Real America's Voice, but share with, with them, if you would, your own social media.
5: You can get me on Twitter, uh, at Ben Burkwam or at Frontline America, or excuse me, USA Frontline, uh, and I'm also on Facebook as of now, until, you know, I'm canceled off of there, like they're canceling everyone else, Frontline America, but of course, on uh, Real America's Voice News as well.
1: Awesome. Well, Ben, we appreciate you and the team being out there. We'll be checking in with you throughout the weeks. Well, folks, stay right with us, because after the break, It's Dr. Gina Primetime. She's got a great show planned for you here at Real America's Voice. You'll want to catch it. Thanks for watching. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader.
2: New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.